Shall we pray? Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you. We thank you that you still come after us. We thank you that you still forgive us. We thank you that you still look on us with love. We thank you that you still never give up on us. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your ministry angels that have sent forth to minister to us. We thank you for the Holy Spirit. We thank you for his ministry in our lives. We thank you that he comforts us, that he teaches us, that he guides us, that he's our advocate, he's our strength, and he's our standby. We thank you for our advocate, Jesus Christ. For there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Jesus Christ. We thank you for qualifying us to see another 24 hours. We pray that may Christ alone be exalted in our discussion tonight. In the name of our Lord Jesus. Amen. Oh, we thank God for yet another day, for another 24 hours. We thank God for the miracle of life. And indeed, as long as God has qualified us to see another day, we would work the works of Him who has called us while it is day, whilst we are in the day season of our life. Because a time is going to come where we will not be able to contribute again to the building of God's kingdom, of God's and of God's agenda. And Father, may you give us no other desire than this. As Jesus said, I might meet is to do the will of him who has sent us. May this be our meat. And tonight we are continuing our study on be perfect. And last week we looked at it from Matthew chapter 5 verse 40 downwards when Jesus was teaching us about love. And it's a really hard teaching. And most of the time for us, we will not appreciate why it's a hard teaching because of the times we are born into. We are born into the era that Jesus was speaking to. Wherefore, years from the Mosaic law, these people have known an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. You treat people the way they treat you. If if somebody tries to cheat you, don't allow the person. In fact, stand your grounds. And when, when people take you to court and they ask for, or they illegally take your one coat, give it to them. But don't add anything extra. But Jesus came, a Jewish carpenter came, and all of a sudden he said radical things. And you can imagine, even in our days, it's extremely difficult. And I just want to say that just after we recorded last week's episode, I had an issue with my phone. So I just went to pass by the repairer and I knew it was not an issue. I just felt like the, um, I needed to just open it and tighten some knobs a bit more. So I didn't want to gamble with it. So let me just take it to a repairer to just check it out for me. And I went, he just opened it as I expected. Then... He just made sure that everything had contact and he, he unscrewed it or he screwed it back again. It didn't even spend more than 10 minutes. So when he finished, I said, oh, this one, boss, thank you. This one, day you dash it to me. I said, you won't pay it to me because I've, I've been there before. In fact, I visited him recently roughly a month ago and he had fixed something for me. And the thing he fixed on my phone is what I suspected was not done properly. That's how come that happened. And this guy was like, no. It's not free. I said, oh, okay. I was about to give this guy an amount of money. Then this guy, what I planned to give him, mentioned like times five for that amount. I'm like, ah. So I thought it was just like boys, boys. No, no, and the guy was serious. I asked him again, ah, are you saying for 
unscrewing my screw my phone again. That's why I charge him his amount. When you didn't fix it properly the first time, he said, well, he's, I'm lucky that he didn't tell me to go and come back because mostly they will let you leave the phone. Then you go and come back and you won't know what they do. So if they tell you cost this amount of money, you think they have done something. And I said, I knew the issue with the phone. So when I came, I told that this will happen. So just unscrew it and just make sure that everything is in the right place. Then screw it back again. So what's the big deal? The guy was like, no, no, no. It's a technical work. I said, huh? And I was really about to go toe-to-toe with this guy about this price. Then I just remembered what I had shared and we recorded on a Sunday. And this was on a Monday. Like, my words just came back at me that if someone takes you to the court and illegally demands your one coat, add an extra coat. So I even wanted to add more, but I said, I don't have that money asking for on me. <laughs> I really did not want to pay that amount of money. I really felt robbed. And I was just smiling as I, I paid the money. And as I was walking back home, I was just thinking about it, that God, you, you should not be testing me like this now. But these are things that God wants us to live out in our everyday life. So we read that scripture and he ended by saying that be ye perfect, just as your father in heaven is perfect. And I know it's a very strong statement because now the issue comes about what does it mean to be perfect? Can you be perfect? And all those types sort of arguments. And I explained that if you look at context, he was talking about love. And Jesus will not just shift like that and start talking about perfection. And so it wasn't that be perfect in your love. So what Moses taught us was a dimension of love, where you love your neighbor as he has loved you. But Jesus came to raise the bar. Grace raised the bar. And the bar of grace is that love your neighbor as Christ has loved you. And God is saying that Moses took us to one journey, but let us complete the journey of love. So we established that the word used for perfect, the, the Greek word is teleosis, which means complete, which means end of a process. So there's a, love has a process. There's a process in love. And God wants us to go the whole way. He wants us to complete the journey in love. And I said that we are looking at some of the characteristics of what it means to be perfect. So what I did in my personal study was just to look at instances where the Bible describes somebody as perfect or a situation as a perfect situation in relation to a man. Then our first study was in James chapter 3, verse 1 and verse 2, where the writer says that, Let not many of you become teachers. For you shall receive a greater condemnation. And the verse 2 says that, he said, we stumble in many things. James is speaking and he's saying that there are many instances and there are many situations where we falter. But if a man does not falter in his speech, if he does not offend in his words, the same is a perfect man. So your ability to tame your mouth or your tongue is a journey that we must undertake on our road to being perfect. James said that if you do not offend in your mouth or in your speech, the same is a perfect man. And we looked at it in a particular dimension of let your words be your bond, the integrity of your words. And we looked at the guy called Jephthah, how he made a vow to God that is going to offer his daughter as a burnt offering. And the man did just that. And I said that last week that it, it really baffles me how God accepted that offering. Because if I was God, like what I did to Abraham, I would have told you after that, now I know that you are really a man of the words. But God silently stood back and watched him fulfill his vow. And we made it appreciate in last week's episode how God takes our words seriously. So in Ecclesiastes, he says that when you come to the house of God, go there to listen. 
don't go there to Europe, as you would say in Ghana or as some Nigerians would say. Don't go there to run your mouth. Because God sits in heaven. He has a bigger picture of life. He, he sees the whole picture. But you are on earth. Don't go and run your mouth and make all sorts of promises. Because if you make a promise and you don't keep it, God considers you a fool. So I like the way when Jesus came on the scene, he gave us a simple solution to all these things. He said, let your yes be yes and your no be no. Ever since I, I, I came across this scripture again a certain time, and I've shared this on the podcast, I think more than once, how a boss I had exemplified this scripture. It made me appreciate this scripture the most. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. And what I love about Jesus was the statement that followed. He said, anything more than this proceeds from an evil heart. So if you meet a beautiful lady or a handsome man and you say, I love you, just say yes. Don't be carried away by emotions and make all sorts of fantastic words that would really haunt you in some days and months and weeks and years to come. Let your yes be yes. And so that's why sometimes as a Christian who wants to go into politics, these are things that you must really be mindful of. Because politics, especially, I don't know if I say in Africa, but no, I think politics globally causes you to say so many things just to win votes. I remember an incident that happened in, in a country where a president went to a, a place and he made all sorts of promises. Not that the president was a presidential candidate. He went to make all sorts of fantastic promises. And he went there after he won the election some few years ago and the people were demanding for this project. And he was surprised that he said, he said, me, I never said I'll do this thing. So they had to go and bring a video of him standing there with the campaign and saying, I will promote this, I will accept. And he was like, oh, I said this thing, Charlie. <laughs> In quote, I make sorry. I have no intent of doing this. And moreover, this project, if we do a feasibility study, it's, it's, going to, it's not going to reap the profit that we need from such a mega investment. And it just tells you the state of many politicians when they are going on campaign. They will say anything to get your votes. And as a Christian who is venturing into politics, our standards will not change. So if you know you cannot say so many things, let your words be brief. Because Jesus says that for every word you will, be, you will give an account to it. Because by your words you are justified and by your words you are condemned. So on judgment day, they will play us videos of the words you said and whether you fulfill it or not. So for me in particular, one of the words I try to take seriously is I will pray for you. And if you do not intend to keep your word, don't go about promising that you will pray for people. Especially sometimes when you're on your way to church and you meet a relative or a friend, and like, hey, when you go pray for us, so, and then, oh, okay, I'll pray for you. Please, when you go pray for the person. Don't promise that you pray for people and never do. This is one of the things that, what, like, it's something that has really been on my mind because many times, oh, I'm praying for you, I'm praying for you. Sometimes you just say it to, as a form of encouragement, when somebody's going through a hard time, if somebody has lost a loved one and you want to encourage the person, you just go like, oh, I'll pray for you. Please, if you say you pray for the person, pray for the person. If you know you won't pray for the person, no need to commit yourself because God is going to judge us on every word that we speak. So if you are able not to offend in words, you have come to the end of the process. You are perfect. So let's look at the two other characteristics I was able to find. I'll be glad if you also do your own search and maybe come up with other um, people, other situations where God or the Bible has described as a perfect situation. 
So the second one is also in the book of James. And this one too has been my favorite for some months now. This particular topic. So James chapter 1. And I'm sure those of you, your mind should be going to the particular scripture that has the word or that describes a perfect scenario. I'll start from the verse 2. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptation, knowing this, that the trial of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have a perfect work, that you would be perfect. That, let me read how it is in the kingdoms, that ye may be perfect. Remember, Jesus says, be ye perfect. And James is saying that ye may be perfect and entire and complete, wanting nothing. Brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. And allow patience to have a work in you so that you'll be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. The second characteristics of a perfect person is somebody who has allowed patience, who has allowed his or her faith to be tried, to produce patience, to give birth to patience. And when patience came in, the person allowed patience to grow in the person. A patient person is the same as a perfect person. Patience is a virtue that you cannot take out in our relationship with God. In fact, in relations to that, 3 verse 10. Jesus is describing something about his word. And let's look at how Jesus describes his word in Revelation 3 verse 10. He says that because thou hast kept the word of my patience, I will also keep thee from the hour of temptation, which shall come upon the whole earth to try them that dwell upon the earth. This Jesus is describing his word and he's saying the word of my patience. Because every word of God concerning our lives would require patience. And we'll talk about how the fact that he said he's coming soon. And as they say, it has been over 2,000 years and the soon is nowhere. And we are still not seeing the soon. And you should realize that you could, if, if you read the Elite Bible Church history, you realize that they came up with a greeting called Maranatha. That was several years ago, over 2,000 or about 2,000 years ago, how the early church were so aware and so held on to the, the second coming of Jesus that even for Paul, he thought that he would live to see the coming of Jesus, the second coming of Jesus. And many of the church fathers thought that they would see the second coming of Jesus. So you could imagine how they would feel if as they are in heaven or, he, uh, or wherever they are, looking on on the earth, and where it has been 2,000 years, and the man is still saying, I will come soon. And I love the way Jesus said, I'm coming quickly, quickly. And it has been 2,000 years. Because every word of God is also his word of his patience. Every word that God speaks to you concerning you would always require patience. That is why last year we learned about the imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promise. It would always require patience for you to inherit God's promise. And patience, as we have, have defined several, one of the definitions of patience is the ability to endure the process without annoyance or complaint but calmness, composure, and praise. So patience is not necessarily inactivity or just waiting. But the reason why you wait, so like when you go to a restaurant and you order for food, and they tell you, be patient with us, it's not just about you just waiting, but the reason why you need to wait 
is because they are now putting the onions to the engine to the to the pepper and tomatoes and the meat there's, there's a process that is going on and that process requires time and as long as that process requires time it will require you to wait and that wait here is not just an inactivity but it is an ingredient required for the process to go through so for Joseph his patience was him to pass through the pit to go into slavery to go into prison and wait in prison for two extra years before he comes out that was his process sometimes the process of patience will, will demand that you just remain still and do nothing sometimes maybe you are waiting for a job and you have sent in all the applications you have done in all the right things Sometimes patience will require that maybe you go and develop yourself, you go and learn some skills. Sometimes patience will require that you just wait. But whatever the thing may the demands may be, you are being able to endure it without complaining, without annoyance, without demonstration of pain, but demonstrating calmness, composure, and thankfulness in that process. It will require patience in your work with God. Abraham required patience. Noah required patience. Um Elijah, Elisha, they all required patience. Elisha had to be patient to learn the rudiments of the prophetism from Elijah. All these times we require patience. Gehazi was not patient. That is why he missed it. Jesus was patient. He he went through the process. So at his baptism, when John was saying actually if you are really who you say you are, you should be baptizing me. Jesus said that for all righteousness sake, that is the process I must go through. Even though I am not a sinner and baptism belongs to those who are coming to repent from sin, I'm identifying myself with sinners. And if the process of redemption requires me to identify as a sinner, so be it. And we must allow patience to grow in us. You must have the tenacity to go through the process because we live in a system and in a society where people feel like the more you are able to cut corners the more it shows how powerful you are how well connected you are so people take delight in the fact that a particular process requires two weeks but for you you are able to get it in two days of course in an african system a lot of things delay unnecessary so it's not as if i'm glorifying delays but i'm just saying that people are living in a system where people don't want to go through the process but jesus is saying that you may cut corners in your dealings with men you may cut corners in a society like this but if you are going to work with me if you are going to be a better man you will need to go through the process and i'm just imagining why god had to wait for so long in his dealing with abraham of course the thought that abraham kind of prolonged his miracle but why didn't when god appeared to moses and abraham the first time why didn't rebecca get pregnant the following day or a week later or a year later but it took him years because for abraham his process was just to wait and many times all that god will require from you is to wait and it can be really painful but when you allow patience to have a work in you which is an indication of your faith you'll be perfect wanting nothing and you'll be entire there's a there's a tailor in my neighborhood and whenever i pass by a shop i just feel like god is ministering to me that look at this guy he's going through the process because when he started he was sewing with his mom and his mom had a particular shop 
And after a while, he learned them so he made so many mistakes. At that point, he was only doing certain types of garments. Then before I realized, he moved into where he currently is. And he started with just a table and a sewing machine in a small corner. The next time, I realized he has employed somebody to help him at least with taking measurements and maybe cutting of the material once he does the real sewing. Then the next time I realized he's styling the place. The next time I realized, and I just, I just love the process he has allowed himself to go through. I remember during the festive season, I, I took some clothes for him to sew. And he said that, and I was surprised by the orders he had received. So I asked him that, hey, so you told me that my, my clothes will be ready by today. I said, ah, is it 25th Christmas Day? He said, yeah, is it for him that it's not like Christmas Day? He's working on because the garments he has and the clients he needs to meet, he wants to end the year without taking any contracts the following year. And every day I pass by, Saturdays is there, Sundays is there. 6 p.m. is there, 7 p.m. is there, 8 p.m. is there. Sometimes I pass by and you can see him having supper. And he's there, bending the midnight. He's going through the process. He's going through the process. And whenever maybe in a government there's an issue with it, maybe some the sleeves, and I go back, he always takes his time. He always does it well again. And he always calls me back for feedback. And God is saying, watch this man. He's somebody who's willing to go through the process. Yet again, I always say that if... I knew maybe I would have been into these artisan things because people like carpenters, electricians, they really get a lot of gigs <laughs> and contracts. And there's another case scenario in my neighborhood. There are two carpenters. One came into the neighborhood long before the other. But the other person was, had come take over all the contracts. The first one who came, literally everyone in the neighborhood knew him. But because he was not willing to go through the process, he was always doing the shoddy work. He was always overcharging. He was never meeting deadlines. He was always quarreling with clients. He was just doing everything not to succeed. And I was surprised when I saw another carpenter moving to the air. I'm like, ah, doesn't he already know somebody's here? But I have watched as he has swiped away all the clients. Everybody goes to him. He's always making new furniture. He's always making things. He's always busy, always engaging, always meeting deadlines. And I said, why would this person succeed? So for many of us, because of our lackadaisical attitude, we don't do a good job. And the few clients we may get, we tend to overcharge them unduly. We tend to be dishonest to, in quotes, make up for our negligence. But God is saying that that is not the process. There's a process of patience. And in 1 Peter 5 verse 10, Peter said that after you have suffered for a while, let's read that scripture, 1 Peter 5 verse 10. One of the things that demands of patience, First Peter 5, verse number 10, it says that, But the grace of God, who has called us into eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while, he shall make you perfect, establish you, strengthen you, and settle you. Uh, uh, I didn't see the second part of the scripture. I love it. First Peter 5, verse 10, But the God of all grace, who has called us into eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while, this God of grace would make you perfect. He would establish you. He will strengthen you. And he will settle you. Now I'm, I'm overwhelmed by the, the heaviness of this scripture. One of the things you must suffer for a while is patience. You must go through the process. One of the things that you must suffer is to sit there for patience to have a work in you. 
and I was just taking an inventory of my life, and I noticed that God, God, God is really working. God is like He's He's, he's really up to His work. Well, I remember when I started work for a whole year, I was always looking for gigs and opportunities, things to be doing, and I realized for a whole year, I had nothing. Ever at the point I even forgot that I wanted this type of opportunity, I was just like, "Tell me, let me just move on for a whole year." And the time the following year came. Early in the year, by the ending of January, a first gig came. I was like, well, Charlie, we just do the thing. And I was, I was putting in the work. By three months later, another one had come. And it was a, it was a, it was a lengthy um, um, contract, a lengthy gig, however you want to put it. Then by getting to the end of the year, around October, a very lucrative one came in. Then by the end of December, another one came in. And then the next year came. And I realized, gradually, gradually, the gigs are increasing, the opportunities are coming more. And I'm like, God is saying, suffer for a while. And a, a time would come that when they even call, I have to actually, I'm already booked. My, my calendar is full. My this thing is full. But you don't just get there overnight. There's a process of patience that you go through. Sometimes people would treat you unfairly. Sometimes clients will not pay up. Sometimes clients will try and outsmart you. But the word of God, after you have suffered a while, God will settle you. God will settle you. Just like two days ago, I was there, the friend sent me a message that when she started changing work, she, she got a new job. And when she went, the salary was doubled her previous work. That she felt like they have really abused her, they have cheated her, they have acted dishonestly to, towards her. So she was really bitter. But she got a new job and they paid her times to her salary. Her, her bonus was more than double, or was about double her previous work. So she was already okay. And she needed to have go through, I think, either three months or six months probation. And by the time um, the year turned off, that was this year. So that was like um, ending of January. After ending of January, when the salary came, they have talked, it has added a lot more to her salary. And she just, you can imagine how overwhelmed with joy she was. Then she made a statement that God has settled me. As in, uh, all the time she was in the previous place, where they'll call her to work at ungodly hours, where they'll speak to her harshly, where they'll treat her unfairly, where they won't appreciate her efforts, and they'll give her peanuts for, for work, for extra work that was not originally signed for. She said, God has settled me. And God is saying that after you go through, after you suffer the suffering of patience, God will establish you. God will make you perfect. God will strengthen you. And God will settle you. Be perfect by allowing patience to go through some of us we start maybe you are into coding or painting all of those things and you start all of a sudden you are beginning to overprice you are beginning to be dishonest you are, you are not going through the post process you are so in a haste you are full of anxiety you are full of unease so you are always making the wrong steps that's what impatience will cause you to do impatience will cause you to take the wrong steps like the prodigal son it will cause you to tell your father my friend you are not dying keep me my inheritance let me go and make a living out of myself my perfect man is a man who has allowed patience and that's why many people are messing up in relationships because people have not allowed themselves to grow people have not allowed God to mold them people have not allowed patience to have their work in them so they intend to a relationship and there's so much display of immaturity but God is saying that allow patience endure the process without displaying an, an, an annoyance complaining or pain but demonstrating composure calmness and thankfulness 
And when you do that, God will set you. God will make you perfect. God will strengthen and establish you. We pay the price of patience in the name of our Lord Jesus. And the final characteristics that we're able to find out of who a perfect person is is in 1 Corinthians 2, verse 6. Mr. Paul is speaking to us here. 1 Corinthians 2, verse 6. And if, if you read the book of Corinthians, it's very interesting. Paul was really giving it to this church. <laughs> it says, let's start from verse 4. And my speech and my preaching was not in enticing words of man's wisdom, but in the demonstration of the Spirit and of power. And that vision says of the Spirit's power. Verse 5. The reason why I did not preach, so Paul said, the reason why I did not preach in, in, so, to demonstrate that my vocabulary muscles <laughs> or my, my the dexterity in my language is so that your faith will not stand on the wisdom of men. So that I'm not give you you know, some, like when they're talking, it's like they're saying so many It's like, for example, politics, they say so many things. The data, the, this thing, they'll be talking nothing, professionals. They'll talk so many big things, but they do nothing. And if you look at African leaders, you are one of the most educated leaders you have. They are always talking fantastical policies. And eh? how this thing, the feasibility study, oh, forget. He <laughs> said that. I didn't want to talk preach to you like that so that your faith will not rest on the convincing words I speak per se, but your faith will rest in the power of God. Now look at verse 6. How be it? How be it? So the simple things I may be saying that may look like I'm plain and boring words. How be it? We speak the wisdom of God among them that are perfect, yet not the wisdom of this world nor of the prince of this world that had come to nothing. Our focus on the verse 6. Paul is saying that how be it we speak the wisdom of God among they that are perfect. So who is a perfect person? Is someone that the wisdom of God can be spoken to. The first indication is somebody who does not offend in words. James chapter 1 verse 2. The second indication of who a perfect person is is somebody who has allowed patience to have a work in Mohe, James chapter 1, verse 3, following. The third indication of who a perfect person is, is somebody who the wisdom of God can be spoken to. How be it we speak the wisdom among they who are perfect? Not the wisdom of this world that comes to nothing, nor the praise of this world, the third characteristic of wisdom is that they can speak. The third characteristic of a perfect person is that wisdom can be spoken to you. The wisdom of God can be spoken to you. Look at the things people tell you. It's always an indication of who the type of person you are. So if I remember one day, I think I was just found. I think I was going through social media and one journalist made a statement that in Ghana, it's very e easy to find friends to go and chill with. So if you want friends to have maybe Friday night, go and sit somewhere and do good music and meet, it's very easy to find friends to do those things with. But just tell those same friends that you want to embark on a venture, you want to invest in something, you want to start a project. All of a sudden, everybody starts giving excuses and say, oh, you know this, you know that, you know this, you know that. But the money you'll be spending on Friday night over a period of time can be used to start those projects. So there are certain people that you can't speak wisdom to, they just don't understand. 
and Jesus said, do not cast your pearls before swine. God himself will only speak wisdom to you. So evaluate the things that God has been telling you. First, does God even speak to you? Yes, God speaks to everybody. But look at the things that God speaks to you about. If for you, for the past three or four years, it's only don't date this person, don't date that person, every day, those type of advice, it tells you the level of wisdom or the level of perfection you are in. Can God speak to you about these things? Like the way God spoke about Abraham. God was going to do an agenda. and said, ah, shall I hide from Abraham that you are about to do, seeing that he shall inherit all that, all these things. Look at the kind of conversation God had, has with Abraham. Look at the kind of conversation God has with Moses or had with Moses. But look at the kind of conversation God has with you. Every day God is telling you, don't do this, don't do this, don't, oh, brother. But we speak the wisdom of God among they that are perfect. If all the friends you have, when they come and speak to you, they're always complaining about what their boyfriend did this, what should I do? Uh, he posted that, she put funny, 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 funny things. It just tells you the level that you are in, your level of perfection. For a, a perfect person is somebody you can speak wisdom to. It's somebody who can comprehend wisdom. It's somebody who appreciates wisdom. What are the things you appreciate? What are the things you value? What are the things you hear? What are the kind of conversations you have? What are the wisdoms you share? So if your conversations are all about gossiping, all about analyzing funny, funny things, it just tells you how far you are for the process of perfection. Be perfect. It's a journey. And God is saying that to get to the end of the journey, you need to be able to have a discussion of wisdom. You know, right now, even in the, in the, if I say in the world, People always make this statement that uh, if you are dating, maybe date somebody who can act to you intellectually, not somebody who maybe you want to discuss economics with, maybe let's say the current economic situation, then you will call your, your, your spouse that, hey, what do you understand about, let's say, the debt exchange program or about this something that government is doing or your wife or your partner, your wife or your spouse has nothing to share. All that your wife knows or your partner knows is, um, what I don't know what to use, the color of wig, what wig I should buy, what shoe I should buy. <laughs> so even in the world, the value that you right now, the way relationship is going, you need somebody more than just somebody you be you be playing the buffoonery with, but somebody you can have intellectual discussions with. Somebody you can sit down and say, the way treasury bills are going and the bonds are going, let us invest in this, let's invest in that. But if your relationship, the conversations you have, have nothing to do with intellect. It just shows that kind of person you are. And God is saying the same thing, or Paul is saying the same thing, that we speak wisdom among those who are perfect. So when you go to the Corinth church, all that you had to settle is there was division and exact. I could not speak to you as a mature to you. So when I come, I must now settle anger issues. I must now settle envy issues. Somebody's envying this. There's always strife. There's still what and the church and the, and the who. And the pastor is fighting. The, the, the leader of this department is fighting with this. I don't even have time to talk to you about the wisdom of God because I'm always setting petty, petty, petty issues. Always petty issues. And when it was my birthday, they didn't wish me on my birthday. But this one's birthday, they wish this. And someone said, I am for Paul. Someone said, I am for Paulus. Oh, Paul said that when I came to you, I could not speak to you as a mature people. But there's always petty issues amongst you people. Let me look at your relationship. Whenever you are beloved have an issue, what are you arguing about? If you should even be angry at yourself, look at the cause of your maybe I called and 
If you didn't say goodbye, like, why did you say goodbye? <laughs> we speak wisdom among those who are perfect. Can God speak wisdom to you? Look at the way God could visit Daniel in a dream and give Daniel visions about nations that are coming. How after this nation, another nation will come. After this, look at the kind of dreams God wants to talk to you about. But for you, the way God comes, he's always telling you that, why did you gossip? He's telling you, let us move from that level. And Jesus said, be perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect. Do not offend in words. Allow patience and be somebody who wisdom can be spoken to. You should not have long meetings to explain to you why marrying this type of person or marrying that kind of person or taking certain decisions are not helpful to you. Let us move on to perfection. And I believe in God that in this year 2023, you take deliberate efforts to be imperfect, just as our Father in heaven is perfect. Shall we spend some time in prayer? And I tell you, when the Father granted the grace to pay the price, the price of not offending in our words, the price of letting our yes be yes and our no to be no, the price of being disciplined in our words, the price of sticking to our vows. If you say that I will pray for you, I will pray for you. Father, when we pray the price of being patient, of going through the process, of paying the price of going through the process without displaying annoyance, without complaining, but we demonstrate composure and calmness and thankfulness because we know that you are working behind the scenes of our lives. Father, we pay the price that we can listen to wisdom, wisdom. When you speak to us about wisdom, we can comprehend these things and let us move on from petty issues and petty quarreling and petty divisions and petty strifes and petty envies. Let us move on that you can speak to us about deep things, Lord. Let us move on because your desire for our lives is that we will be perfect, that we will be complete, that we will be mature till we all come, till we all come. We pray that we will pray the price of coming to that place, to the fullness of the measure of the stature in Christ. In the name of our Lord Jesus, that in this year 2023, we are moving forward, we are taking a step forward, we are growing, we are being alive unto you. We are going to be no longer children tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. We are going to be no longer children who have to be settled with better quarrels and petty strife, but we have moved on. We are moving on in this year and we are being perfect just as you in heaven are perfect. We thank you for your word. We thank you that you still qualify us to give us your word and every week. We pray that we be doers of your word. In the name of our Lord Jesus. Amen. God bless you all so much. And I hope you are enjoying your year. My mind is very fantastic. I'm enjoying the generosity of God and the goodness of your life. And I'm believing God that we are doing so. Remember, we are still giving God our very best and our only normal method. That's a lie. Bye bye. We'll see you next time.
glad you see. Shall we pray? Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you. We thank you that you still come after us. We thank you that you still forgive us. We thank you that you still look on us with love. We thank you that you still never give up on us. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your ministry angels that have sent forth to minister to us. We thank you for the Holy Spirit. We thank you for his ministry in our lives. We thank you that he comforts us, that he teaches us, that he guides us, that he's our advocate, he's our strength, he's our standby. We thank you for our advocate, Jesus Christ. For there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Jesus Christ. We thank you for qualifying us to see another 24 hours. We pray that may Christ alone be exalted in our discussion tonight. In the name of our Lord Jesus. Amen. Oh, we thank God for yet another day, for another 24 hours. We thank God for the miracle of life. And indeed, as long as God has qualified us to see another day, we would work the works of him who has called us while it is day, whilst we are in the day season of our life. Because a time is going to come where we will not be able to contribute again to the building of God's kingdom of God and of God's agenda. And Father, may you give us no other desire than this. As Jesus said, that my meat is to do the will of him who has sent us. May this be our meat. And tonight we are continuing our study on be perfect. And last week we looked at it from Matthew chapter 5 verse 40 downwards when Jesus was teaching us about love. And it's a really hard teaching. And most of the time for us, we will not appreciate why it's a hard teaching because of the times we are born into. We are born into the era that Jesus was speaking to. Where for years from the Mosaic law, these people have known an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. You treat people the way they treat you. If if somebody tries to cheat you, don't allow the person. In fact, stand your grounds. And when, when people take you to court and they ask for, or they illegally take your one coat, give it to them. But don't add anything extra. But Jesus came, a Jewish carpenter came, and all of a sudden he said radical things. And you can imagine, even in our days, it's extremely difficult. And I just want to say that just after we recorded last week's episode, I had an issue with my phone, so I just went to pass by the repairer, and I knew it was not an issue. I just felt like the, um, I needed to just open it and tighten some knobs a bit more, so I didn't want to gamble with it, so let me just take it to a repairer to just check it out for me. Then I went, he just opened it as I expected, then he just made sure that everything had contact and he, he unscrewed it or he screwed it back again. It didn't even spend more than 10 minutes. So when he finished, I said, oh, this one, then boss, thank you. This one, then you dash it to me. I said, you won't pay it to me because I've, I've been there before. In fact, I visited him mostly roughly a month ago, and he had fixed something for me. And the thing he fixed on my phone is what I suspected was not done properly. That's how come that happened. And this guy was like, no, it's not free. I said, oh, okay. I was about to give this guy an amount of money. Then this guy, what I planned to give him, mentioned like times five for that amount. I'm like, ah. So I thought it was just like boys, boys. No, no, and the guy was serious. I asked him again, ah, are you saying for unscrewing my screw my phone again? That's why I charged him this amount when you didn't fix it properly the first time. He said, well, he's, I'm lucky that he didn't tell me to go and come back because mostly they will let you leave the phone. Then you go and come back and you won't know what they do. So if they tell you, cause this amount of money, you think they have done something. And I said, 
I knew the issue with the phone. So when I came, I told her this will happen. So just unscrew it and just make sure that everything is in the right place. Then screw it back again. So what's the big deal? The guy was like, no, 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 it's a technical work. I said, huh? And I was really about to go toe-to-toe with this guy about this price. Then I just remembered what I had shared and we recorded on a Sunday. And this was on a Monday. Like, my words just came back at me that if someone takes you to the court and illegally demands your one coat, add an extra coat. So I even wanted to add more, but I said, I don't have that money asking for on me. <laughs> I really did not want to pay that amount of money. I really felt robbed. And I was just smiling as I, I paid the money. And as I was walking back home, I was just thinking about it, that God, you, you should not be testing me like this now. But these are things that God wants us to live out in our everyday life. So we read that scripture and he ended by saying that, be ye perfect, just as your father in heaven is perfect. And I know it's a very strong statement because now the issue comes about what does it mean to be perfect? Can you be perfect? And all those types of arguments. And I explained that if you look at context, he was talking about love. And Jesus will not just shift like that and start talking about perfection. So it wasn't that, be perfect in your love. So what Moses taught us was a dimension of love, where you love your neighbor as he has loved you. But Jesus came to raise the bar. Grace raised the bar. And the bar of grace is that love your neighbor as Christ has loved you. And God is saying that Moses took us to one journey, but let us complete the journey of love. So we established that the word used for perfect, the, the Greek word is teleosis, which means complete, which means end of a process. So there's a, love has a process. There's a process in love. And God wants us to go the whole way. He wants us to complete the journey in love. And I said that we are looking at some of the characteristics of what it means to be perfect. So what I did in my personal study was just to look at instances where the Bible describes somebody as perfect or a situation as a perfect situation in relation to a man. Then our first study was in James chapter 3, verse 1 and verse 2, where the writer says that, Let not many of you become teachers. For you shall receive a greater condemnation. And the verse 2 says that he said, We stumble in many things. James is speaking and he's saying that there are many instances and there are many situations where we falter. But if the man does not falter in his speech, if he does not offend in his words, the same is a perfect man. So your ability to tame your mouth or your tongue is a journey that we must undertake on our road to being perfect. James said that if you do not offend in your mouth or in your speech, the same is a perfect man. And we looked at it in a particular dimension of let your words be your bond, the integrity of your words. And we looked at the guy called Jephthah, how he made a vow to God that is going to offer his daughter as a burnt offering. And the man did just that. And I said that last week that it, it really baffles me how God accepted that offering. Because if I was God, like what I did to Abraham, I would have told Jephthah that now I know that you are really a man of your words. But God silently stood back and watched him fulfill his vow. And we made it appreciate in last week's episode how God takes our words seriously. So in Ecclesiastes, he says that when you come to the house of God, go there to listen. Don't go there to yop, as you would say in Ghana or as some Nigerians would say. Don't go there to run your mouth. Because God sits in heaven. He has a bigger picture of life. He, he sees the whole picture. But you are on earth. Don't go and run your mouth and make all sorts of promises. Because if you make a promise and you don't keep it, God considers you 
a fool. So I like the way when Jesus came on the scene, he gave us a simple solution to all these things. He said, let your yes be yes and your no be no. Ever since I, I, I came across this scripture again a second time, and I've shared this on the podcast, I think, more than once, how a boss I had exemplified this scripture. It made me appreciate this scripture the most. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. And what I love about Jesus was the statement that followed. He said, anything more than this proceeds from an evil heart. So if you meet a beautiful lady or a handsome man and you say, I love you, just say yes. Don't be carried away by emotions and make all sorts of fantastic words that would really haunt you in some days and months and weeks and years to come. Let your yes be yes. And so that's why sometimes as a Christian who wants to go into politics, these are things that you must really be mindful of. Because politics, especially, I don't know if I say in Africa, but no, I think politics globally causes you to say so many things just to win votes. I remember an incident that happened in, in a country where a president went to a, a place and he made all sorts of promises. Not for the president, it was a presidential candidate. He went to make all sorts of fantastic promises. And he went there after he won the election some few years ago and the people were demanding for this project. And he was surprised that he said, he said, me, I never said I'll do this thing. So they had to go and bring a video of him standing there with the campaign and saying, I will do this, I will accept. And was like, oh, I said this thing, Charlie. <laughs> In quotes, I make sorry. I have no intent of doing this. And moreover, this project, if we do a feasibility study, it's, it's, going to, it's not going to reap the profit that we need from such a mega investment. And it just tells you the state of many politicians when they are going on campaign. They will say anything to get your votes. And as a Christian who is venturing into politics, our standards will not change. So if you know you cannot say so many things, let your words be brief. Because Jesus says that for every word you will give an account to it. Because by your words you are justified and by your words you are condemned. So on judgment day, they'll play as videos of the words you said and whether you fulfill it or not. So for me in particular, one of the words I try to take seriously is I will pray for you. Honey, if you do not intend to keep your word, don't go about promising that you will pray for people. Especially sometimes when you're on your way to church and you meet a relative or a friend, and like, hey, when you go pray for us, so, and then, oh, okay, I'll pray for you. Please, when you go pray for the person. Don't promise that you pray for people and never do. This is one of the things that, what, it's, like, it's something that has really been on my mind because many times, oh, I'm praying for you, I'm praying for you. Sometimes you just say it to, as a form of encouragement, when somebody's going through a hard time, because somebody has lost a loved one and you want to encourage the person, you just go like, oh, I'll pray for you. Please, if you say you pray for the person, pray for the person. If you know you won't pray for the person, no need to commit yourself because God is going to judge us on every word that we speak. So if you are able not to offend in words, you have come to the end of a process. You are perfect. So let's look at the two other characteristics I was able to find. I'll be glad if you also do your own search and maybe come up with other um, people, other situations where God or the Bible has described as a perfect situation. So the second one is also in the book of James. And this one too has been my favorite for some months now. This particular topic. So James chapter 1. And I'm sure those of you, your mind should be going to the particular scripture that has the word or that describes a perfect scenario. I'll start from the verse 2. My brethren, 
count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptation, knowing this that the trial of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have a perfect work that you would be perfect. That let me read how it is in the kingdoms that ye may be perfect. Remember, Jesus says, Be ye perfect, and give the saying that ye may be perfect and entire and complete, wanting nothing. Brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this that the trying of your faith worketh patience and allow patience to have a work in you so that you'll be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. The second characteristics of a perfect person is someone who has allowed patience, who has allowed his faith to be tried, to produce patience, to give birth to patience. And when patience came in, the person allowed patience to grow in the person. A patient person is the same as a perfect person. Patience is a virtue that you cannot take out in our relationship with God. In fact, in Revelations chapter 3 verse 10, Jesus is describing something about his word. And let's look at how Jesus describes his word in Revelations 3 verse 10. He says that, Because thou hast kept the word of my patience, I will also keep thee from the hour of temptation, which shall come upon the whole earth, to try them that dwell upon the earth. This Jesus is describing his word, and he's saying the word of my patience. Because every word of God concerning our lives would require patience. And we'll talk about the fact that he said he's coming soon. And as they say, it has been over 2,000 years, and the soon is nowhere. And we are still not seeing the soon. And you should realize that you could, if, if you read the little bit of church history, you realize that they came up with a greeting called Maranatha. That was several years ago over 2,000 or about 2,000 years ago, how the early church were so aware and so held on to the, the second coming of Jesus that even for Paul, he thought that he would live to see the coming of Jesus, the second coming of Jesus. And many of the church fathers thought that they would see the second coming of Jesus. So you could imagine how they would feel if as they are in heaven or, or wherever they are, looking on on the earth, and it has been 2,000 years and the man is still saying, I will come soon. And I love the way he says, I'm coming quickly, quickly. And it has been 2,000 years. Because every word of God is also his word of his patience. Every word that God speaks to you concerning you would always require patience. That is why last year we learned about the imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promise. It would always require patience for you to inherit God's promise. And patience, as we have, have defined several, one of the definitions of patience is the ability to endure the process without annoyance or complaint, but calmness, composure, and praise. So patience is not necessarily inactivity or just waiting, but the reason why you wait, so like when you go to a restaurant and you order for food, and they tell you, be patient with us. It's not just about you just waiting. But the reason why you need to wait is because they are now putting the onions to the engine, to the, to the pepper, and tomatoes, and the meat. There's, there's a process that is going on. And that process requires time. And as long as that process requires time, it will require you to wait. And that wait here is not just an inactivity, but it is an ingredient required 
for the process to go through. So for Joseph, his patience was him to pass through the pit, to go into slavery, to go into prison and wait in prison for two extra years before he comes out. That was his process. Sometimes the process of patience will, will demand that you just remain still and do nothing. Sometimes maybe you are waiting for a job and you have sent in all the applications, you have done in all the right things. Sometimes patience will require that maybe you go and develop yourself, you go and learn some skills. Sometimes patience will require that you just wait. But whatever the thing may the demands may be, you are being able to endure it without complaining, without annoyance, without demonstration of pain, but demonstrating calmness, composure, and thankfulness in that process. It will require patience in your work with God. Abraham required patience. Noah required patience. Um, Elijah, Elisha, they all required patience. Elisha had to be patient to learn the rudiments of the prophetism from Elijah. All these times will require patience. Gehazi was not patient. That is why he missed it. Jesus was patient. He, he went through the process. So at his baptism, when John was saying, actually, if you are really who you say you are, you should be baptizing me. Jesus said that for all righteousness' sake, that is the process I must go through. Even though I am not a sinner, and baptism belongs to those who are coming to repent from sin, I am identifying myself with sinners. And if the process of redemption requires me to identify as a sinner, so be it. And we must allow patience to grow in us. You must have the tenacity to go through the process. Because we live in a system and in a society where people feel like the more you are able to cut corners, the more it shows how powerful you are, how well connected you are. So people take delight in the fact that a particular process requires two weeks. But for you, you are able to get it in two days. Of course, in an African system, a lot of things delay unnecessarily. So it's not as if I'm glorifying delays, but I'm just saying that people are living in a system where people don't want to go through the process. But Jesus is saying that you may cut corners in your dealings with men. You may cut corners in a society like this, but if you are going to work with me, if you are going to be a better man, you will need to go through the process. And I'm just imagining why God had to wait for so long in his dealing with Abraham, of course, the thought that Abraham kind of prolonged his miracle. But why didn't, when God appeared to Moses and Abraham the first time, why didn't Rebecca get pregnant the following day or a week later or a year later? But it took him years. Because for Abraham, his process was just to wait. And many times, all that God will require from you is to wait. And it can be really painful. But when you allow patience to have a work in you, which is an indication of your faith, you'll be perfect, wanting nothing, and you'll be entire. There's a, there's a tailor in my neighborhood, and whenever I pass by a shop, I just feel like God is ministering to me that, look at this guy, he's going through the process. Because when he started, he was sewing with his mom, and his mom had a particular shop. And after a while, he learned the sewing. He made so many mistakes. At that point, he was only doing certain types of garments. Then before I realized, he moved into where he currently is. And he started with just a table and a sewing machine in a small corner. The next time I realized he has employed somebody to help him at least with taking measurements and maybe cutting of the material once he does the real sewing. 
Then the next time I realize he's styling the place. The next time I realize, and I just, I just love the process he has allowed himself to go through. I remember during the festive season, I, I took some clothes for him to sew, and he said that, and I was surprised by the orders he had received. So I asked him that, hey, so you told me that my my clothes be ready by two. I said, ah. Is it 25th Christmas Day? He said, yeah, is it for him that not like Christmas Day? He's working on because the garments he has and the clients he needs to meet, he wants to end the year without taking any contract to the following year. And every day I pass by Saturdays, is there, Sundays is there, 6 p.m. is there, 7 p.m. is there, 8 p.m. is there. Sometimes I pass by and you can see him having supper. And he's there, bending the midnight, he's going through the process. He's going through the process. And whenever maybe in a government there's an issue with it, maybe some the sleeves, and I go back, he always takes his time, he always does it well again, and he always calls me back for feedback. And God is saying, Watch this man. He's somebody who is willing to go through the process. Yet again, I always say that if I knew, maybe I would have been into these artisan things. Because people like carpenters and electricians, they really get a lot of gigs <laughs> and contracts. And there's another case scenario in my neighborhood, there are two carpenters. Once came into the neighborhood long before the other, but the other person was had come take over all the contracts. The first one who came, literally everyone in the neighborhood knew him, but because he was not willing to go through the process, he was always doing the shoddy work. He was always overcharging. He was never meeting deadlines. He was always quarreling with clients. He was just doing everything not to succeed. And I was surprised when I saw another carpenter moving to the area. I'm like, ah, doesn't he already know somebody's here? But I have watched as he has swiped away all the clients. Everybody goes to him. He's always making new furniture. He's always making things. He's always busy, always engaging, always meeting deadlines. And I said, why would this person succeed? Because for many of us, because of our lackadaisical attitude, we don't do a good job. And the few clients we may get, we tend to overcharge them unduly. We tend to be dishonest to, in quotes, make up for our negligence. But God is saying that that is not a process. There's a process of patience. And in 1 Peter 5, verse 10, Peter says that after you have suffered for a while, let's read that scripture, 1 Peter 5, verse 10. One of the things, the demands of patience, 1 Peter 5, verse number 10, it says that, but the grace of God, who has called us into eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while, he shall make you perfect, establish you, strengthen you, and settle you. Uh, uh, I didn't see the second part of the scripture. I love it. First Peter 5 verse 10. But the God of all grace, who has called us into eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while, this God of grace would make you perfect. He would establish you. He will strengthen you. And he will settle you. Hey. Now I'm, I'm overwhelmed by the, the heaviness of this scripture. One of the things you must suffer for a while is patience. You must go through the process. One of the things that you must suffer is to sit there for patience to have a work in you. And I, I was just taking an inventory of my life. And I noticed that God, God, God is really working. God is like, he's, he's really up to his work. When I remember when I started with, for a whole year, I was always looking for gigs and opportunities, things to be doing. And I realized for a whole year, I had nothing. Ever at the point, I even forgot that I wanted this type of opportunity. I was just like, let me just move on for a whole year. And the time the following year came, 
early in the year, by the ending of January, a first gig came. I was like, oh, well, Dali, we just do the thing. And I was, I was putting in the work. By three months later, another one had come. And it was a, it was a, it was a lengthy um, um, contract, a lengthy gig, however you want to put it. Then by getting to the end of the year, around October, a very lucrative one came in. Then by the end of December, another one came in. And the, the next year came. And I realized, gradually, gradually, the gigs are increasing. The opportunities are coming more. And I'm like, God is saying, suffer for a while. And a, a time would come that when they even call, I have to actually, I'm already booked. My, my calendar is full. My this thing is full. But you don't just get there overnight. There's a process of patience that you go through. Sometimes people would treat you unfairly. Sometimes clients will not pay up. Sometimes clients will try and outsmart you. But the word of God, after you have suffered a while, God will settle you. God will settle you. Just like two days ago, I was there, a friend sent me a message that when she started changed when she, she got a new job. And when she went, her salary was doubled, her previous work. Now she felt like they have really abused her, they have cheated her, they have acted dishonestly to, towards her. So she was really bitter. But she got a new job and they paid her times to her salary. Her, her bonus was a more than double, or was about double her previous work. So she was already okay. And she needed to have go through, I think, either three months or six months probation. And by the time um, the year turned off, that was this year. So that was like... Um, Ending of January. After end of January, when the salary came, they have doubled, it has added a lot more to her salary. And she just uh, can imagine how overwhelmed with joy she was. Then she made a statement that God has settled me. As in, uh, all the time she was in the previous place, where they'll call her to work at ungodly hours, where they'll speak to her harshly, where they'll treat her unfairly, where they wouldn't appreciate her efforts, and they'll give her peanuts for, for work, for extra work. That was not originally signed for. She said, God has settled me. And God is saying that after you go through, after you suffer the suffering of patience, God will establish you. God will make you perfect. God will strengthen you. And God will settle you. Be perfect by allowing patience to go through you. Some of us, we start, maybe you are into coding or painting, all of those things. And you start all of a sudden, you are beginning to overprice. You are beginning to be dishonest. You are, you are not going through the process. You are so in the haste. You are full of anxiety. You are full of unease. So you are always making the wrong steps. That's what impatience will cause you to do. Impatience will cause you to take the wrong steps, like the prodigal son. It will cause you to tell your father, my friend, you are not dying. Keep me my inheritance. Let me go and make a living out of myself. By a perfect man, is a man who has allowed patience. And that's why many people are messing up in relationships. Because people have not allowed themselves to grow. People have not allowed God to mold them. People have not allowed patience to have their work in them. So they intend to a relationship and there's so much display of immaturity. Now God is saying that allow patience. Endure the process without displaying an, an annoyance, complaining or pain but demonstrated composure, calmness, and thankfulness. And when you do that, God will settle. God will make you perfect. God will strengthen and establish you. We pay the price of patience in the name of our Lord Jesus. And the final characteristics that we're able to find out of who a perfect person is is in 1 Corinthians 2, verse 6. Mr. Paul is speaking to us here. 1 Corinthians 2, verse 6. 
I mean, if you read the book of Corinthians, it's very interesting. Paul was really giving it to this church. <laughs> it says, let's start from verse 4. And my speech and my preaching was not in enticing words of man's wisdom, but in the demonstration of the Spirit and of power. And that vision says of the Spirit's power. Verse 5. The reason why I did not preach, so Paul said, the reason why I did not preach in, in, to, to demonstrate that my vocabulary muscles <laughs> or my my the dexterity in my language is so that your faith will not stand on the wisdom of men so that i'm not give you you know some, like when they're talking it's like they're saying so many it's like for example politics they say so many things the data that this thing they'll be talking nothing professionals they'll talk so many big things but they do nothing and if you look at african leaders you are one of the most educated leaders you have they are always talking fantastical policies and eh? how this thing the feasibility study oh forget he <laughs> said that i didn't want to talk preach to you like that so that your faith will not rest on the convincing words i speak per se but your faith will rest in the power of god now look at verse six how be it how be it so the simple things i may be saying that may look like i'm plain and boring words how be it we speak the wisdom of God among them that are perfect, yet not the wisdom of this world, nor of the prince of this world that had come to nothing. Our focus on the verse says, Paul is saying that how be it we speak the wisdom of God among them that are perfect. So who is a perfect person? Is someone that the wisdom of God can be spoken to. The first indication is somebody who does not offend in words. James chapter 1, verse 2. The second indication of who a perfect person is, is somebody who has allowed patience to have a work in him or her. James chapter 1, verse 3, following. The third indication of who a perfect person is, is somebody who the wisdom of God can be spoken to. How be it we speak the wisdom among the who are perfect, not the wisdom of this world that comes to nothing, nor the praise of this world. The third characteristic of wisdom is that they can speak. The third characteristic of a perfect person is that wisdom can be spoken to you. The wisdom of God can be spoken to you. Look at the things people tell you. It's always an indication of who the type of person you are. So if I remember one day, I think I was just found. I think like I was going through social media and one journalist made a statement that in Ghana it's very e- easy to find friends to go and chill with. So if you want friends to have maybe Friday night, go and sit somewhere and do good music and meet, it's very easy to find friends to do those things with. But just tell those same friends that you want to embark on a venture, you want to invest in something, you want to start a project. All of a sudden, everybody starts giving excuses and say, oh, you know this, you know that, you know this, you know that. But the money they will be spending on Friday night over a period of time can be used to start those projects. So there are certain people that you can't speak wisdom to. They just don't understand. And Jesus said, do not cast your pearls before swine. God himself will not speak wisdom to you. So evaluate the things that God has been telling you. First, does God even speak to you? Yes, God speaks to everybody. But look at the thing that God speaks to you about. If for you, for the past three or four years, it's only don't date this person, don't date that person, every day, those type of advice, it tells you the level of wisdom 
or the level of perfection you are in can god speak to you about deep things like the way god spoke about abraham god was going to do an agenda and said ah shall that hide from abraham that you are about to do seeing that he shall inherit all that all these things look at the kind of conversation god had has with abraham look at the kind of conversation god has with moses or had with moses But look at the kind of conversation God has with you. Every day God is telling you, don't do this, don't do this, don't, oh, brother. But we speak the wisdom of God among they that are perfect. If all the friends you have, when they come and speak to you, they're always complaining about what their boyfriend did this, what should I do? Uh, he posted that, she put funny, 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 funny things. He just tells you the level that you are in, your level of perfection. For a, a perfect person is somebody you can speak wisdom to. Is somebody who can comprehend wisdom. Is somebody who appreciates wisdom. What are the things you appreciate? What are the things you value? What are the things you hear? What are the kind of conversations you have? What are the wisdoms you share? So if your conversations are all about gossiping, all about analyzing funny, funny things, it just tells you how far you are for the process of perfection. Be perfect. It's a journey. And God is saying that to get to the end of the journey, you need to be able to have a discussion of wisdom. You know, right now, even in the in the if I say in the world, people always make this statement that uh, if you are dating, maybe date somebody who can act to you intellectually, not somebody who maybe you want to discuss economics with, maybe let's say the current economic situation, then you call your 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 spouse that hey. What do you understand about, let's say, the debt exchange program or about this something that government is doing or your wife or your partner, your, your wife or your spouse has nothing to share. All that your wife knows or your partner knows is um, what, I don't know what to use, the color of wig, what wig I should buy, what shoe I should buy. <laughs> so even in the world, the value that I right now, the way relationship is going, you need somebody more than just somebody you'll be, you be playing the buffoonery with. But somebody you can have intellectual discussions with, somebody you can sit down and say the way treasury bills are going and the bonds are, going, let us invest in this, just invest in that. But if your relationship, the conversations you have, have nothing to do with intellect, it just shows that kind of person you are. And God is saying the same thing, or Paul is saying the same thing, that we speak wisdom among those who are perfect. So when you go to the Korean church, all that you had to settle is there was division and exact. I could not speak to you as a mature to you. So when I come, I must now settle anger issues. I must now settle envying issues. Somebody's envying this. There's always strife. The steward and the church and the and the who and the pastor is fighting. The, the, the leader of this department is fighting with this. I don't even have time to talk to you about the wisdom of God because I'm always settling petty, petty, petty issues issues always petty issues and uh, when it was my birthday they didn't wish me on my birthday but this one's birthday they wish this pe- and someone said i am for paul someone said i am for polos oh paul said that when i came to you i could not speak to you as a mature people but there's always petty issues amongst you people let me look at your relationship whenever you and your beloved have an issue what are you arguing about if you should even be angry so look at the cause of your maybe i called and you didn't say goodbye. Like, why did you say goodbye? <laughs> you speak wisdom among those who are perfect. Can God speak wisdom to you? Look at the way God could visit Daniel in a dream and give Daniel visions about nations that are coming. How after this nation, another nation will come. After this, look at the kind of dreams God wants to talk to you about. 
But for you, the when God comes, He's always telling you that why did you gossip? Instead, eh? let us move from that level. And Jesus said, "Be perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect. Do not offend in words. Allow patience, and be somebody who wisdom can be spoken to." You should not have long meetings to explain to you why marrying this type of person or marrying that kind of person or taking certain decisions are not helpful to you. Let us move on to perfection. And I believe in God that in this year 2023, we take deliberate efforts to be imperfect just as our Father in heaven is perfect. Shall we spend some time in prayer? And I tell you, God, the Father, grant us the grace to pay the price. The price of not offending in our words. The price of letting our yes be yes and our no to be no. The price of being disciplined in our words. The price of sticking to our vows. If you say that I will pray for you, I will pray for you. Father, we will pray the price of being patient, of going through the process, of paying the price of going through the process without displaying annoyance, without complaining, but we demonstrate composure and calmness and thankfulness because we know that you are working behind the scenes of our lives. Father, we pay the price that we can listen to wisdom, wisdom. When you speak to us about wisdom, we can comprehend these things and let us move on from petty issues and petty quarreling and petty divisions and petty strifes and petty envies. Let us move on that you can speak to us about deep things, Lord. Let us move on because your desire for our lives is that we will be perfect, that we will be complete, that we will be mature till we all come, till we all come. We pray that we will pray the price of coming to that place, to the fullness of the measure of the stature in Christ. In the name of our Lord Jesus, that in this year 2023, we are moving forward. We are taking a step forward. We are growing. We are being alive unto you. We are going to be no longer children tossed to and fro by every wind of nothing. We are going to be no longer children who have to be settled with better quarrels and petty strife but we have moved on we are moving on in this year and we are being perfect just as you in heaven are perfect we thank you for your word we thank you that you still qualify us to give us your word to week. we pray that we will do us as well in the name of our lord jesus amen god bless you all so much and i hope you are enjoying your year and my mind is very fantastic I'm enjoying the generosity of God and the goodness of their life. And I'm believing God that we are doing so. Remember, we are still giving God our very best. And we are only no man nothing. That's a lie. Bye bye. We'll see you next time.